Hello and welcome to the Cat Master Chronicles. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from cat owners about well-being. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, the founder of Chatty Cats Care, a professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with cat owners about their individual journeys. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is brought to you by Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Hello and welcome to the Cat Master Chronicles episode 15. This week we are joined by Magda Naraka Weeks. She isn't only a great friend of mine who I can talk to for hours and hours about interesting and thought-provoking topics, but she's also passionate about saving the planet, seed growing, animals and so much more. Magda is a writer, poet and former biochemist who loves travelling science and plants and fur babies, aka little princes and queens. (laughs) I personally feel like Magda is this cute little guru of wisdom and I think she is possibly one of the most interesting people I know. She has a great deal of advice about growing plants, seeds and vegetables, particularly through tough times such as the recent lockdown period. Magda helped change my outlook on growing my own food and about being more conscious about food waste and recycling. I love to update her about all of the progress I've made so far. So I'm very much looking forward to talking and eating with her later. So I know this is going to be an absolutely amazing episode and you're going to love it and enjoy listening to Magda as much as I do. So get comfortable, make some tea and even bring a pen and paper to take notes if you like. So thank you so much for joining us today, Magda. Could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? All right. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Um, That intro was amazing. I don't know how I'm going to live (laughs) up to it. Um, You've also inspired me in several different ways. You're always doing something new. So it's it's pretty great to like always catch up with what you're up to. I, a bit about me is that I was born in London. Um, I grew up in London um, and I was really, really lucky to grow up next to the Heath. So I had like really good access to green spaces and like gardens and um, just generally being surrounded by nature. Um, I didn't really, I took it for granted basically until I moved away to Scotland um, where I wasn't that close to as much green stuff. I mean, I was, but it was much more grey up there. Um, And then I um, have been travelling a lot. And one of the things I really missed while I was travelling was planting and growing things and making roots. Um, And so since lockdown, since coming back to the UK, I've actually started like a vegetable garden and have really started like pushing towards like seed saving and food um, security and lots of other things that really matter to me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've, I've... led a very interesting life I guess in London um like animal wise and plant wise like there were lots of things that I didn't realize were normal to have like a hedgehog um <laughs> so like I guess we'll get onto that later but I guess yes, yes. We, will. we will um so I've admired you in so many ways uh, that's okay like I've mentioned but I love talking to you about the environment and climate change because I think like I learn so much every time I talk to you and it's not that I'm completely unaware of what's happening around me but of course you know mainstream media fails to highlight such important issues so I know it's such a broad topic (laughs) but if our listeners didn't know much about what's currently going on and happening in the world and the effects of climate change what could you tell us? Okay. Um, I mean, it is a huge topic. Yes. And I think mainstream media covers like the the tip of the iceberg, mm. basically. And underneath it are the roots of uh, colonialism, capitalism and imperialism that have led us to destroying our planet. Mm. Um, yeah. So what we are witnessing right now is what happens when you take land away from the people who it belongs to. Yes. Um, and what happens when you let greed basically take over and where you put profits in front of people and if you want scientific evidence for it there's an amazing paper that was released in 
July of 2018. Um, When I read it, I cried seven times during reading it. It is just very distressing and it gives us 12 years to turn around the planet and make it into a habitable place (laughs) before we are locked into some terrible, terrible warming. Um, And what that means is more wildfires like what we see in America, Mm -hmm. uh, more flooding like we see anytime there's a, well, more huge storms and hurricanes. So in 2019, there were three maybe it was 2018, there were three hurricanes lining up to just cross the channel and each one of them was described as a one in 20 year storm. Wow. And there were three in like just lining up like in the same year. Um, So we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more drought. We're going to see more, I mean, then the political instability that comes from all of these things. Yeah. Like the climate refugees are going to be such a huge problem in our future and they already are. Um, So we are witnessing a change and COVID is actually bringing it to light. It's making everyone stop. And the reason why there have been more people, amazingly, more people gardening, more people getting yeah. involved in like the Black Lives Matter movement is yeah. because we've actually had time to stop. And mm-hmm. like the people who had the privilege to just ignore it up until now are faced with it head on. And that is what gives me hope. I yeah. mean, because at least now we're facing the challenge and we there are so many solutions out there that like I've just painted a really terrifying picture of the future (laughs) just like all storms and (laughs) and sadness um but there are loads of solutions out there there are like really amazing work and science and loads of people working towards making the world actually better but we just don't give them enough money or time or attention and until we start like really dismantling the roots of that which is like capitalism colonialism um and just general inequality in our society, we can't fix climate change. I mean, we can do lots of things, but we really need to like address the root causes of what is going to not destroy the planet, but like really have a profound impact on the people of it. So, yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's a scary time that we're living in. I recently watched the David Attenborough documentary. Oh boy, yeah. Um, and uh, I watched it with Rich, my partner. Um, I felt like I knew you know, a little bit about what's happening in the planet, but I feel like he he's not really exposed to it that much. Mm. So it was a real shocker for both of us, really, and a real eye-opener because you can read things, but then you get something else from it, like a, a different kind of level when you actually see something visually, mm. um, but also listening to something like this, like the podcast as well. Um, it's just shocking um but i'm glad that there are things like this you know on netflix Mm. that people can watch and 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 understand more um and see how fast you know the world is changing like you mentioned 12 years you know (laughs) yeah that was two years ago as well so we've got a decade yeah 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 yeah. and that that will go so quickly so there's so much you know that we can be doing now so what can our listeners be doing right now actively to kind of save the environment and slow down climate change yes i mean (laughs) just like a small ask just something you can do on a sunday afternoon i mean it's fine um we there are lots of things that you can do on a personal level and then on a community level and then on a like broader level so on a personal level i mean there's there's cutting down on your meat intake mass agriculture is a huge um polluter and if cows were a country they'd be the third biggest polluting country in the world so don't eat cows um or cow products uh which is horrible and stressful to do (laughs) because they're delicious Mm -hmm. but for the planet yeah no um cut down on flights try and do as much public transport as possible i mean corona's really helped with the cutting down on flights but they're back up again but empty or like half empty so that's really not helped that much um also getting involved in your community um, which is slightly harder to do in a lockdown but mutual aid uh, community gardens uh, food banks yes. writing to your local MP all of these things about stuff that actually matter so when uh, also staying in the loop so following like groups and Instagrams and like WhatsApp groups and mm-hmm. everyone who knows what's going on so when they're trying to push through a new bill that might actually mean that you can't you know have a garden somewhere or like there are community issues you're plugged into you can actually start shouting about them um and then on a more like 
yeah, there are other things that you can do just on a personal level. I mean, the the six R's, you know, like reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, we've all heard it. All of those. Refuse, revolution, all of those. Um, but like it's, there are so many small things that you can do on a daily basis, even just like saving, making sure that you have less food going to landfill. Mm-hmm. I mean, trying to uh, start a garden somewhere or yeah. um, saving your seeds as well is a thing that I'm sure we'll get onto. But like, there are lots of like things that will connect you back to nature. And by connecting you back to nature, you'll be helping. But there's also, I mean, you should divest from fossil fuels where you can go for like eco-friendly banks try to um what's it called change over your electricity to like things like bulb and other ones that are renewable sources yeah um it's really about like voting with your wallet because Mm. we live in a capitalist society Mm -hmm. so you've got to put your money where your mouth is and like if you really want to change things you can't pay money towards people who are keeping them in the same ways that they always have been and then also vote with your vote like i mean vote whenever you can and then when that doesn't work protest yeah like properly (laughs) protest um and get involved in things that really matter and by getting involved in things that aren't just environmental i'm doing this in air quotes but people can't see that (laughs) but i mean like i mean providing for um people who are immigrants or the black lives matter movement or anything else like by fighting things that aren't just environmental you're actually fighting the causes of climate change so it's not it's i feel like it's a very um hippy dippy thing where people are just like only concerned with climate change if you're Mm. properly concerned with climate change you should be a feminist you should be like like a radical like you should really animal rights animal rights for human rights like everything everything. should matter to you and they are all so interconnected that you can't just only choose like to recycle you've got to like really see where everything is coming from and then choose like what you want to stand for yeah because if you are passionate about animals then you should be passionate about climate change as well because where are the animals going to live you know we're destroying their homes literally so yeah if i'm sure that everybody that's you know listening to this podcast of course (laughs) obviously you know interested in in saving animals so yeah if you're if you're looking for changes small ones big ones to make then definitely take this advice that (laughs) Magda is giving us oh yeah so um I also know how much you love plants and growing (laughs) this is a big thing yes uh, it's a problem (laughs) yeah no it's not a problem (laughs) can you tell us a bit more about that and how it started when did you start going sure um so my family has always had a garden which mm-hmm. in london is a huge privilege yes. and i'm well aware of like it is it, is. <laughs> it really is outside space is something we should all have yes. but people do not yeah. um and i my family always had like some things growing in it i had an apple tree that's been my apple tree um and i just didn't think about it that much when i was growing up but then when mm. i went to university I think the first time I actually had any money to spare so it was like halfway through second year I'd like a tenner to spare at the end of the month and I like went and bought some grow your own lettuce some like herbs and Mm. like one succulent that I still have today he's so much bigger yeah he's so cute um but I put them all on my windowsill and like I was going through a really like rough time I was Mm. like financially pretty screwed and mental health wise I was also just like rough in it it was not great and my plants were just there sort of living and thriving and surviving and that was like really reassuring and like Mm. quite a few of them died like it's scottish weather like they did not have (laughs) enough sunlight they did not have enough warmth yeah you've been there you know what it's like um so that but the ones that survived like are still surviving now and it was really just like reassuring to watch something grow and stay Mm -hmm. and like it reminded me that I could and while I didn't get out of like you know the rough times for a while once I was actually out of them I just kept collecting plants kept growing things yeah. and I think part of it also is experimenting I really really love experimenting um that's why I used to be a scientist absolutely um, exactly. 
Exactly. So um, I really, most of my plants now have just come from like, what will happen if I do this? So like, I'll Mm. put some tomato seeds in the ground and they'll grow into tomatoes. I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Or like lentils or like popcorn just from the bag I just put in the ground and then I have corn now I've grown Amazing. corn wow <laughs> yeah okay. so I mean it's really from just like seeing what will grow that is that is really quite fun that's one of the things that I really love doing is just experimenting and then once I've tried it I read up about it and yeah. I'm like I- I'll do it better next time yeah but I have to try it myself first. first. Yeah, yeah, because there is quite a lot of thought that you need to put into it because um, a friend of mine as well, she grows, she has an allotment, but then she was talking about, you know, there's different uh, seasons and months that you need to sow the seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you need to kind of like have that in mind if if you want yeah. the, them to thrive and if you want to produce like good quality mm-hmm. vegetables. But um, I'm the same as you. I like to kind of experiment and see what will happen. Mm. And when it does happen, you're like, wow, like, I actually <laughs> Look what I did, did this. Yeah. I know. It's a proud moment. Yeah. It really is. And they become, I know it's crazy, but they become like your children. Yeah. The attachment is <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. oh. Like, I created you, yes. and now you're thriving. My child, I'm so proud. <laughs> You've grown so big. It's literally, yes, yeah, yeah. for every plant ever. Oh, but, uh, of yeah. course, of course. Love it. <laughs> so what kind of things are you currently growing at the moment, and what has been your biggest growth achievement thus far? Okay. Um, at the moment, I am growing because it's like autumn. I'm yes. growing like radishes, cabbage, beetroot. I'm actually sprouting some chia seeds to like put Ooh, in a salad, which nice. is quite good. Um, strawberries. I think I've just finished harvesting my sunflowers um, and lots of herbs. And I'm trying to grow some blackberries and raspberries that I found growing on the heath. And now I'm trying to like grow them from seed. Um, but I'm not sure how well that will go. Um, so just lots of things that are going to, because we're in London it's a bit of a microclimate so we have like five degrees extra on the rest of the country yeah so the frosts don't hit as hard so I can actually keep things in the ground for longer and Mm -hmm. it means that like I'll extend the growing season but also I've just moved house so it's kind of limited again because I have to like move my plants yeah um so what I guess my biggest achievement is is I guess it would be the tomatoes they were just like the first thing that I just like quick quick planted and then mm. they just worked yeah tomatoes um, are not easy <laughs> they are they're not i didn't i they were easy and then someone was like how did you get tomatoes yeah. to work and i was like i don't know i can't <laughs> tell you i was just sort of making it up um but i had a lot of tomato plants that i gave out to like everyone yeah, you got one i did how have they been yes um well you know i don't really have a lot of outdoor space mm. um but while keeping them inside um they have sprouted mm-hmm. um and i can see some little green <gasps> little babies growing oh that's so exciting yes and that as well of course like, my mom noticed it at first she was like oh you know there's a tomato on that plant i'm like what <gasps> it, actually, tomato it actually grew <laughs> yeah like i never expected this to mm-hmm. happen um yeah. But yeah, it's really nice. Even though, you know, it's not going to be this huge no. plant. Um, it's just nice because I never knew that I could grow. Yeah. Like, it sounds you crazy, can, but I didn't know. Yeah, but you can. <laughs> Everyone can. It's way more easy than you think it is. Yeah. And once you've, like, figured out that you just need to water them occasionally, yeah, then yeah. it's, like, fine. It's, yeah, it shouldn't... I feel like growing a plant shouldn't be this stressful thing and growing Mm. vegetables and edible things should be something that's just like accessible that you do as like second nature rather than like this thing that seems to be reserved for people have garden space and like all the allotments and all this other stuff while they're useful you should just be able to have like a couple of plants in your house that grow and you can eat it's true yeah it's true um so can you give us an example or a few examples of food waste that we can use to regrow our fruit and vegetables what can we use to 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 plant in our houses okay um so there are lots of things you can actually regrow in water so this is if you haven't got that much space or if you literally haven't got very much money which is also one of the big setbacks to like growing things is um growing things in water so you literally just Mm. like fill up like a glass of water a jar anything that you've like 
washed out and yeah. doesn't have a hole in the bottom. Um, and you can grow things like spring onions. You can grow like lettuces, leeks, um, carrot tops even, if you don't mm. put too much water in with it. Um, and also herbs. So like those herbs you get in the supermarket that are just like the stems. Yeah. If you just put them in water, first of all, they'll last longer because they'll start like actually coming back to life. And second of all, they might start growing roots if you leave them long enough. Mm. Um, I would suggest like changing the water maybe once a week, just okay. like so that it doesn't get scummy because that that actually isn't that great for them. Yeah. Um, but you can just grow them in like a glass of water and you can like, that's how I made all my mint plants. I just bought some mint from the shop yeah. and then put it in a glass of water and then it grew roots and I eventually planted it wow. out. So like you really... You don't actually even need to plant it out if you don't have, like, the time or the money. You just forget about it. You can just keep them in the water and, like, harvest them occasionally. That's amazing. See, I didn't even know this. Uh, A lot of people probably don't know this either because, yeah, um, yeah, but it makes sense because it's a plant. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, that's they just, like, plants want to grow. Like, if you're getting something that's a half plant from the shop the chances are you could probably grow another one from it or you could revive it. Like there are so many, they're so versatile and so good at growing through things. I think, yeah, in London as well, I think we're so conditioned to see things how they are presented in the shops Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) and forget that they actually grow. Because I remember, I think I posted something like not too long ago. Um, and, Somebody posted like a video and it was of strawberries and mm. there were some bugs that were coming out. And I said, yeah, that's normal because mm-hmm. they grow outside. Yeah. It's, it's organic. Yeah. That's, um, that's um, but, and then they were so shocked. It's like, but how? Like they didn't realize that, you know, that it, it felt like they didn't realize it, that plants like fruit and vegetables grow outside. Like yeah. they just expect them, like especially the, the things in the supermarkets as well. They expect them to just be this, I don't know. Like, like pop into existence, yeah. fully formed. It's like, oh, there's yeah. that strawberry With that no just didn't come from like anywhere. That. Right. Yeah. So I was shocked. I was really shocked by that because I thought, wait, no, this has to be a joke. Like, yeah. are you being serious? Are you like really that? this upset yeah. about bugs or the thing <laughs> right. that grows near bugs? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. and did you not know this happens? Yeah. Like, so I think there needs to be like a lot more education regarding you know plants where they're from where Mm. our food comes from and because i don't remember anything like that in school nothing there is nothing it is like school does not prepare us for any of the things that like are actually useful or interesting right i mean there also i think there is i think part of the problem with our society at the moment is that we have such a disconnect and it makes it easier for us to be sold things if we Mm -hmm. don't even think about where they're from yeah and one way to like fight that basically to like have a mini revolution against like the just apathy of not knowing where things come from is to grow your own or to grow like one thing. And then it will make you think about all the other things that have been grown in a certain way. And I think it also opens up your mind to like ac- the access. It gives you access to the knowledge of like actually growing something and making something and where things come from. But I also think that schools should everyone should be taught about like 100%. this is what a plant is i know that we grew beans in like year three or cress or, or something cress like that. Yeah. in an egg and it's like what does this mean <laughs> yeah. this does not teach you anything yeah. like how are you supposed to learn about like anything else around this yeah. without yeah yeah and instead of just being given like a diagram in science yeah. like why don't we actually plant something literally if every school had like a permaculture garden or a little veg garden or something like right where they could get the kids involved exactly. that would be so good that would be so amazing good. but yeah so good. that is my dream <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i was gonna say what are your hopes for the oh. future is that is that one of the hopes particularly yes. in london because like i think in london you know we're very boxed in like mm, we're in the capital mm. here yeah. like it's not like the countryside where i think you know there are more people that grow yes in the countryside. yeah so what are your hopes for london okay for london i think i think Generally, I want, I want, I dream (laughs) of uh, a reclamation of green space. I really want 
us to take it back there are areas that the council just isn't using yeah and like i tried to plant some lentils in it and they just ripped up all of the section it wasn't (sighs) just because the lentils there were some weeds but like weeds aren't even weeds we really need to reclaim weeds dandelions are so good for you Mm -hmm. but um more community gardens more food networks i really think every school should have some form of garden or permaculture is something that really needs to take off so that's the idea of like planting something that will last that's completely integrated it's its own system you don't mm. you could leave it for 20 years with no humans yeah. and it will so just live sustainable yes mm. that kind of stuff and we need more places like that and i think we need more just like food networks actually woven into the city like we need a community garden that will then give to a food bank or like a small section of land that no one's using that you can just come and plant some vegetables on oh. school projects that just like there needs to be everyone needs and it's not people in London's fault that they don't have this. Like yeah. the dream is that just there is more awareness, there's more education yeah. and that like there is a push towards it. And I think there is after lockdown. I think we are like the amount of people that started planting vegetables or at least like realized how much green space mattered because of lockdown. I Gives think us hope. So much hope. <laughs> like there really is a change in the air and mm. I am so hopeful from it. Me too. Me too. Oh, yeah. Um, so you are an amazing writer and poet. I know you're incredibly humble, but I have read some of your pieces and I think, wow, like I want more people to read your writing. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about your love for writing and poetry? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess. Thank you. That was you're just, welcome. I'll just blush here. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I think writing is... I've I've never really known what I wanted to do. I wanted to be prime minister for a while and then I wanted yeah. to be a biochemist. And now I, I really, really want to do things to do with sustainability and mm. the environment. And that is my job at the moment. But the only thing that has been consistent in my life has been writing. I've always been writing stories or poems or very bad songs when I was like 15 that will never (laughs) see the light of day. But like there are so many, like I think it's the one way that I can get my thoughts, which are always a bit jumbled. If you're listening to this, then you know that. Um, (laughs) Out onto paper into like a way or like onto a screen into a way that I can like translate them for other people. Yeah. Um, So I guess writing is like a release for me. It's also Mm -hmm. like... It's part of like my daily life now. I try to write a poem a day. I try to write a diary entry a day. And then like those are such good practice for when I actually write something that's a bit bigger or a bit more serious. Mm. Um, That It's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just part of me and I'm accepting that and finally putting some of it out into the world. Well, I'm glad. And I know that you're a keen writer because Magda and I have often travelled together and I remember her writing these little blog post entries and I just feel so motivated when I see (laughs) you do that. I feel like I need to do this more because I also, you know, when I was younger, I used to write a lot and I used to write poems. Mm -hmm. And now I think, I don't know, as you get older, you kind of forget yourself and it's almost like I forget how creative I was mm. and that worries me so I really want to kind get of back start into it. again yes. yeah yeah um so I think a lot of people probably feel quite similar to me actually and if somebody did have like lots of ideas or had like a secret passion for writing but it feels like a bit like an imposter when it comes to publishing any of their work you know what kind of advice would you give to someone um I think if you feel like an imposter then you are a real writer um it doesn't matter if you've never been published I think that makes you like the most real writer ever uh no one I don't think any writer feels like they're a writer yeah really um but if you actually want to get your work out there and published I think going for independent zines Mm. online magazines like small people who are really passionate who will give you feedback yeah and feedback is so important sometimes it's horrible like there's you're gonna get rejections but that's perfectly normal um but the small independent places usually give you some sort of information on why or what they could change and that is what can really like help you when you're like why doesn't this place like my poems because you've just sent your poems out to like 10 places that are huge and are dealing with like twenty thousand entries or if you send it to a place that's dealing with like a hundred people and are like 
kind and interested and passionate, yes. they will tell you what you can do. But then also, if you're getting a lot of rejections, or even if you're not and you don't know where you want to put stuff, you can just make your own. I mean, like, publish mm-hmm. yourself. Like, not yes. through Amazon. Screw Amazon. <laughs> but, like, you can independently publish whatever you want. Like, if you have the words there you and you need to let them out yeah. and there isn't somewhere who's accepting them, do it yourself. Like, yeah. there are so many amazing small zines or magazines or, like, whole websites and online journals that have started because a group of friends weren't getting published mm. and they just put their work out there and now they're helping other people who weren't getting published. It is, like once you get involved in the community it's such like inspiring place to be because there are so many people like pushing for just like the sheer love of writing and reading yeah so yeah do it yourself and go to the people who are passionate 100 percent. because you know who is anybody to tell you exactly that you can't write or that your writing isn't good enough yeah like yeah some people won't like it but that's fine i mean you can no one no one will like everything so you may as well go to the people who are gonna support you Exactly. Even if that's yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back to the plants again. Uh, always. Because always <laughs> I know you plants. love them. Um, so people often have this idea that gardening is quite expensive. Do you agree or is there any ways a money savvy person could create a satisfying garden on a budget? I agree that the cost of gardening or setting up a garden is like it can be expensive and it is a big barrier to people like growing their own food because they think it's expensive. Yeah. But once you figure out the ways to do it cheaply, then it's actually not so bad. Um, But also I think if you want like a beautiful flower garden or like some really expensive trees, that's going to be expensive. But if you want to grow like your own veg, your own herbs, it shouldn't be expensive. So obviously the first way I talked about was growing things in water there's also I'm a big fan of experimenting as you must have heard um, <laughs> but literally experiment with everything I am talking okay. about like apple seeds from the apples in the shop mm. like tomato seeds like what when you have a pumpkin at Halloween scoop it out Ooh. like put the seeds in water and if you if they sink then they're fine if they float then they're not okay but the ones that sink try and plant them see what happens yeah like really just have fun with it and you can like put the seeds out on a piece of kitchen roll, spray it with water once a day, and then if they make sprouts, then you've got to deal with like buying compost. Okay. But like really, like learn the basics of just getting your seed to sprout. And once you mm. get a seed to sprout, then you can panic about like where you're gonna put it. But also with that, you don't need perfect pots, like borrow from your neighbours, like swap with people. Okay. Charity shops have good pots. Yeah. Um also big fan of like not stealing but like (laughs) procuring um plants that you like like obviously if it's from a neighbor talk to them first if it's from a botanical garden they've already stolen all of them so take (laughs) what you want like go for it go for it there was this woman i was staying with in like florida yeah and we went to this like botanical garden and she like picked up a star fruit off the floor and then brought it home and like picked out the seeds and was growing star fruit trees from it so like really just experiment with it like if you've got a pot of soil and like you just want to try it out like put some seeds in it see what happens and also like markets for plants and things so like in london columbia road flower market yeah which is on a sunday go after 3 p.m because then they start putting the deals on all of the prices come down that's good to know um yeah really like also get to know your local either fruit and veg person or plant person because they'll be such a useful source of information Mm. and then also your community building which is really what's going to get us through the next few years so talk to people because people will give you plants yeah yeah buying independently and and yes like supporting the community is definitely something that i want to yeah definitely Mm -hmm. do a lot more rather than going to supermarkets and you often find that the quality is so much better Mm -hmm. as well yeah like you can taste the difference yes you really can (laughs) and then if you're saving the seeds you can grow a much better like fruit or veg from it but also that being said if you're on a budget some supermarkets you can just get compost from them for like three quid Mm -hmm. like I really don't like that they're undercutting the actual like local 
market but if you don't have enough money Money. Mm -hmm. go for the three pound compost and just like it's fine you're allowed to go for the cheap option if it's going to get you started on something else yeah yeah it doesn't mean that you're like less of a gardener or anything because i know that there are all these like weird hierarchies inside gardening communities about what you use and where it's from and it's like you are allowed to garden with whatever materials you have like just go for it yeah or you can also start your own compost Mm, you can you? you can yeah there's definitely like you can actually just start a compost bin with like a bucket Mm. um and just not put in uh like cooked food is the best way to do it and then sprinkle in some dirt and wood chips um but it usually needs a bit of air so you might want to drill some holes in it but Mm. like it is actually quite easy to do just don't put it too near you and if you're in a flat probably don't do it okay um just (laughs) just for smell reasons and sanitation um but if you have an outside but if you have an outside space Mm -hmm. there are definitely also youtube is free yeah and youtube is magical and there are so many resources out there also within the permaculture community there are so many people putting up like pdfs of books that would cost money you can definitely like find books if you need so i I can have some links if people need them but like i'm all all about sharing information i'm like this shouldn't knowledge should not be the barrier to starting something and money should only be like a little thing that you have to work around and a small hurdle if you're like actually starting a big garden yeah yeah so as you know i live in like quite a small flat as well mm-hmm. um with my mother um so and i think a lot of people like we said during the lockdown want to start growing i want to start growing um i have very limited outdoor space so another question that some people might want to know is how can you grow with very limited space or no outdoor space in your home at all uh, I would say if you have a windowsill, then you have a garden. Okay. You can easily like get a window box that will fit on your windowsill. Yeah. And that is all you need to grow a good few plants. Some of the people that I've given tomato plants to literally have like a, a balcony that's about five inches big and they've okay. just filled it with plants oh. and grown tomatoes on it. And you don't actually need outside space. Tomatoes grow indoors. I had one that like climbed around my window wow. when I was in a flat because I had no outdoor space and he was fine for like a year. Um, <laughs> I love that you gave him a gender. <laughs> yeah, he was like very stubborn and like a little bit got everywhere and yeah, kept yeah. reaching for the light switch. He was a very interesting little bean. Um, well, tomato actually. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, like they're really, they. if you have space, there are indoor plants that you can do and we just it's very weird that in our society well it's not weird it's on purpose but it's weird that we don't have um more edible indoor plants like Mm -hmm. there are so many millennials with like households full of like beautiful pot plants yes that don't actually give them any sustenance Mm -hmm. you can do that with herbs you can do that with tomatoes you can do that with like strawberries and really yeah just again experiment see how much light you have there's always going to be some information out there on like what likes growing indoors Mm -hmm. but also if you're indoors you don't have to worry about the seasons seasons yeah that's true so yeah Mm -hmm. there is warmth and there is light and there'll probably be more light than they would have outdoors because like you turn the lights on as well um so you can actually extend growing times and grow things a little bit out of season and they're probably gonna taste just as good yeah I had a basil and that was thriving. Mm. It was literally huge. Um, so that was that was a firm favourite. I used that in quite a lot of dishes. But it's also nice to just use things that you have grown. Like it's satisfying mm-hmm. when you eat it as well. Or if you're sharing it with like friends or family, you're like, yeah, yes. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the best feeling. Just it turning is. up with like an armful of whatever oh. veg or herb. And you're like, actually, I made these. It's the dream. Did you know? That's why they the taste dream. so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it really is. That is something that I think more people should have access to. Yes, yeah. definitely. I agree. Um, so I know you're a bit of a nomad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we both have this passion for traveling, learning about people, cultures and societies. And Magna and I actually met on a student trip to India. We both ended up becoming roommates. And it sort of took off from there, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what do you love most about traveling? And what are some of your favorite places to travel to? Ooh. I know it's a bit of a, what a question. question. I know, right? Sorry. Okay. 
I think the thing I like about travel is that you get to be yourself mm. around new people. And yeah. I think you get to just take in as much information as possible, which is just amazing. The people that you will meet and the things that you will experience, like you're not going to get unless you leave your house. Yeah. And like, it doesn't have to be travel to like some far off land, although that is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like really just like exploring outside of your city, outside yes. of your area, just getting to know somewhere new always is going to teach you something new about yourself and about the world. But that being said, obviously I have got favorite places <laughs> because I mean, yeah, I mean, I think where I was, I was in America this time last year, I actually left for America and yes. I was traveling all around by myself on the trains because uh, I didn't want to fly. Um, and I ended up in New Orleans and New Orleans is amazing. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I love it. It's got so much art and food. The oh, food. I need oh, to go. You do. The food you were just, oh, <laughs> it oh, destroyed me. I just, mm. oh, the dreams I have about that food. Um, mm. But also just a really lovely, like, artistic, cultural air and, like, oh. the community sense. Of, I just, I'm yeah, I'm a big slut for New Orleans. <laughs> um, but also, I think... The Grand Canyon was amazing. Mm. Um, I really, really like that. But I also was in Poland kind of recently. Yeah. And I didn't get to see enough of it. And I want to go back. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. The mountains. I'm like, oh. I really want to go back to Poland as well. Poland. Let's go. Finally allowed. Let's go. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's lovely. I really, I want to see more of Europe. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I feel like I've seen a lot of Europe. I'm very, very lucky to have been to lots of different places within mm-hmm. it, but I still want to see more. I just yeah, love there's it. There's so much. There's, there's so, so much. much. Yeah. Even in the UK. Oh my gosh. There's yes. So many places. Scotland always yes. is yes. the one. Definitely. Yes. Oh, my favorite. But... Need to explore. Need to explore. <laughs> it's just an ever growing list. It never goes yeah. down. <laughs> so, is there any places on your bucket list that you haven't traveled to yet and you really want to go to? Ooh. Um, 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 I think I want to see the west coast of the USA. Uh, probably not right now. I feel like California is like in the middle of everything. Yeah. Um, but I do kind of want to like go up the west coast and see what it's like. Mm. Um, Maybe by train. Hopefully by train. I really do like long train journeys. Me too. Oh, yes. I love it. I love looking out the window, mm-hmm. just watching and just like everything go by. The sound of it. And then always yeah. there's always someone who comes and talks to you, which is great. Mm-hmm. But like the train friends that I have made. Yes. Yes. I know. I've heard the stories. <laughs> really interesting. They're, they're, you could write a book. I honestly could about <laughs> the people I've met on trains. I definitely should. That will be my next one when yes. I finally finish some others. But um, yeah. Oh, also speaking of trains, the Orient Express and also Ooh, the Trans-Siberian Railway all of yeah. those on the bucket list absolutely and they're not flying so I mean yes. that's like the added bonus mm-hmm. of the joy of train travel yeah I love it yeah um, so are there any places that you think are very green and doing well if the UK could follow in any other country's footsteps what, who do you think that should be and, and why, why should we look up to them I think not countries because okay. I, I've been to places. So I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I feel like yeah. I'm just like name dropping places now. No, but I mean, fine. like when I was in Phoenix, yeah. which was several years ago, I didn't just all do these in one go. Um, it was really interesting. They had some really good like uh, like monetary reasons for people to like incentives to get people to plant like native plants and Ooh. not have lawns. Okay, so it was this like big anti lawn movement where everyone like I really hate grass like you should Mm. always plant edible things you should not plant grass and if you're going to have grass make it wildflowers like really I'm anti-grass but they were also anti-grass because they were planting things like cactuses and like succulents and things that don't take so much water and if you didn't have a lawn then you got like money off your taxes Mm. and it's just really good to like get people into that that is good I really like that and then obviously for like electricity and places like that things like that Iceland is really good. They all run off like thermal electric power. But Mm -hmm. then what we shouldn't really, I mean, countries exist. They're a problem, but we have them. Um, (laughs) But we really should be looking to like indigenous populations for who to look at and to learn from. Like that is where 
the knowledge is 100% that is the reason why like Californian wildfires have got so bad because they haven't done like on purpose fires which is what like traditionally they used to do yeah like burning yeah. the, the the grass or yeah the... they would burn specific yeah, areas at yes. specific times that's right as part of like tradition yeah the tribes that lived there but uh-huh. they didn't let them do that for like the past hundred or so years uh-huh. so climate change has come along and made it even worse okay but these wildfires are like the result of ignoring a indigenous tradition and then also Mm. climate change and also i mean just in general like i think the indigenous population of the world owns legally owns like five percent of the land but they are responsible for like 80 percent of global biodiversity so we need to learn from them right we need to shut up and we need to learn obviously i am not the person to be teaching like go to people who know better yeah and there are people who have been like guardians of the land for the whole time that right. they have existed and you've got to learn from them 100 percent. don't disregard them because they know best yeah they do right. they've kept everything going up <laughs> until now and now we've taken it away from them yeah. and this is why everything's going to hell right yeah so well. so now moving on to my favorite part of the show which is yes. about cats and other <laughs> fur babies so can you tell us a bit more about your connection with animals and why you love them so much yeah so i think my connection with animals started when i was like one and a half Aww. and my dad came back from america and brought me a stuffed toy raccoon <laughs> um and i think that is like the animal i most identify with <laughs> it really is like who i am in my soul um and when I was in, just before lockdown, I was in Mexico and there was an actual raccoon there because they were looking after oh. him at like a sanctuary and the connection we had. We oh are best friends. Goodness. I miss him every day. Did he have a name? Frank. Well, oh. I named him. No one else <laughs> named him. Everyone's like, why are you, who's Frank? Why are you going to go see Frank? And I was like, he's the raccoon that I'm in love with. <laughs> Did you know? Um, but I think also having a hedgehog, um, was that was our only real pet apart from tadpoles my family did not go for normal pets yeah i've i've suddenly realized that's fine yeah no that's fine i mean a (laughs) a pool full of tadpoles is perfectly normal to have um but yeah so we had one hedgehog and that was about it but then everyone around me had like dogs and cats so the moment i got to be near a dog and cat i'd be like i love you so much i like (laughs) I need to give you all the attention. My friend would be like, you're here to see me. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I'm not. You're secondary. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there are lots of just animals in my area that I love, but aren't mine, which is fine. Which is why cat sitting is so good and dog sitting and like any other random animal that needs sitting. Like, I'll do it. You're there. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Um, So what is it about cats that you love? I think that they're like fiercely independent mm. but also like affectionate but in a, like you have to get to know them you don't just like get affection immediately yeah. and that yeah. I really like that they're like selective but not they like are. in a rude way they're just like I have my boundaries mm-hmm. and until you like meet these standards or you like introduce yourself or I've like got used to you being in the room then they're not going to be like overly lovey-dovey with you right and I think also just like they have such great personalities that yeah. just you like you can tell they have one. Yeah. It immediately comes out and you're like, ah, yes, I know what you're like. Yeah. yeah. We should all be a bit more cat, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. think Because I feel like I love dogs, but I feel like they're just in way too fast. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You don't. Floozies. You know, yeah. Complete floozies. <laughs> Complete. For affection at least. Yeah. 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 But cats are just like, like you said, they suss you out a bit. They're like, hmm, can I trust them? Yep. are they gonna pet me mm-hmm. do i need to bite them yeah will they give me the, det- the attention i need right now in yeah. the exact way i yes. need and if not yeah, yeah. out come the claws <laughs> love it do you think that animals can teach us how to live better and be better humans yes i think definitely i think everything can teach us plants as well um but i think animals mm. are there there are lots of things that you can learn from them i think from well now i suddenly thought of squirrels but like squirrels are like they're very live in the moment they're just jumping around sometimes they get in fights which is (laughs) a bit much but they're also like they're just sort of living for it but then they also like store things for the winter Mm, so it's not like just live in the moment and disregard everything it's Mm. like also prepare plan but in a way that's like 
like there were i think like i think it was like a third of oak trees in one of these forests that they surveyed were plants planted because squirrels forgot mm. where they like planted their their acorns and that like they they're ac- accidentally giving back but because wow. they're so at one with everything else and i think that is something that we can learn i think you just need to like tune yourself in to the rest of the world and once you're tuned in like yeah there's something to learn from everyone and everything 100 percent agree with that um i think that's why i love nature programs so much and Mm. and when you kind of look at them it's so relatable yes it's like wow (laughs) the drama Yes. yes yes um so i know it's a bit off topic but um I really love the story that you told me about your family pet, the hedgehog. Um, so can you briefly tell us like the story about your hedgehog? Because uh, not many like, people have hedgehogs. This is true. This is true. Um, so, I mean, slightly, slightly out there. But when, <laughs> when my, da- my dad was walking home from, I think it was the pub, mm-hmm. and he saw what he thought was a moving turd. <laughs> and his first reaction was to pick it up and take it home. <laughs> and that's how we got a hedgehog. And we called him Dog. Yeah. Um, dog. Dog, yeah. the hedgehog. Because he ate dog food. They, they actually oh, do yeah, eat dog do, food. So that wasn't... I mean, it didn't make sense, but it made some sense. Yeah. Um, but he was very cute. He lived in our garden for like two years. He mm-hmm. was... Um, he got like all chunky and like healthy because he was a bit scrawny oh, before, but I suppose that's fine. And he lived in like a recycling bin that we'd like cut a hole in and put some straw in. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was wonderful. He was na- noisy, but wonderful. Yeah. 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 And I bet it's like, you know, when you talk to people or friends and yeah. tell them that you have a hedgehog, they're like, wow, yeah. this is so different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever people are like, oh, what was your first pet? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, dog. And they were like, a dog. And I'm like, no, no, the hedgehog, <laughs> um, which is always a little bit confusing. Um, but yeah, he was he was a very interesting pet. Not the most affectionate, though. You had to like wear gloves to stroke him because he oh. had fleas. But oh. like he was he was wonderful. It was yeah, he a bit different from cats and dogs, I guess. Well, I mean, he must have like grown to to love you guys, and there must have been some. Kind oh, there was, there was, and I think he used to like he'd know when we were bringing him out food, and yeah. like he wasn't he wouldn't like squirm away when we were holding him. He wasn't like afraid. Yeah, and he never got like eaten by foxes or anything, which yeah. we also have foxes in our garden because London. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he seemed pretty like chill in his new home so that was really nice but that was yeah it was good i would recommend a hedgehog but only if you're rescuing them and not if you're just picking them up after the pub (laughs) definitely yes definitely um so if our listeners want to find out a bit more about you where can they find you online yes uh so i have a website which is mostly for my writing but i think i'm going to do a bit more about actual seed saving and plants and all of that other stuff that i really want to get into um educating people about i'm already way into it (laughs) um but that is uh zandua so x a n d u a dot com um Mm -hmm. and then on the same vein i have an instagram which is zandua but the d is a six so that's x a n six u a um and I think that's all I really have online. I also, cool. Yeah. No, I think yeah, that's it. I think that's enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, check out Magda's Instagram and the link in the bio because it's very interesting and insightful and you can learn a lot about what we were talking about today. We'll also include the links of those in the show notes as well for mm-hmm. people to click on. So thank you so much for coming on. Like, I'm so happy that you came to talk to me today. And yeah, I'm, I can't wait for people to hear this. Oh, thank you for having me. It You're was welcome. Very interesting. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.